If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. He's got it! Touchdown, Jack Doyle! And he's going to be brought down inside the 15, and it's going to go to DeForest Buckner. Huge hole! He's at the 30! He's going to go! 10-5! Touchdown, Jonathan Taylor! From the Power Home Solar Studio, let's get the podcast started. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Colts' official podcast, My name is Jeffrey Gorman. Reminder, the Colts official podcast presented by WinBet, proud sportsbook partner of your Indianapolis Colts. Betting is a team sport. Bet together at WinBet. When you talk about teams, you get this team week in and week out. Miss Lara Overton joins me in studio in L.O. Uh, When we were talking back in Grand Park, back in the... In those salad hot summer days at Grand Park, we did not see. Did Owen. you say salads? Yeah, just I mean, you're so sweaty, and okay. your hair's like a, a wet salad. Oh, and, you oh know, okay. The small of your back's all sweaty, <laughs> and you just feel like a sweat salad. It's a terminology I was yeah. unfamiliar with I until mean, now. I'm already getting schooled here on verbiage. <laughs> but yes, please proceed because that feels like a year ago at this point. So you're going to have to remind me. It does. We're up at camp. We've got a lot of things going on. Well, hey, a little injury here. Hey, an injury there. We're going to be okay. Fast forward at 0-3 after the Colts dropped that division game. A tough one, too, because it basically is throwing us a game and a half to two games behind in the race in the AFC South. There is 17 weeks of this NFL season. But, Ello, we're kind of uh, in a bit of a head-scratching mode right now, knowing that this team has what it takes to turn stuff around. But 0-3, not the best place to go. Well, certainly it isn't, but you also know that this is a gauntlet of a schedule. We've said it over and over. Those those first five games of the year, you knew what you were up against with the situation that you had as soon as the schedule came out. I mean, you have the toughest first five games of any team in the league, I believe, and I wish Mayte were still in the room to uh, be able to verify this, but I think he said it's the toughest opening five-game stretch to a season in like 30 years Ooh. for a team. So we'll, we'll verify that with him. But yeah, you're disappointed because you certainly let opportunities get away from you. You had opportunities to, to beat L.A. You put yourself in a great position against Tennessee where you had an opportunity to win that game before that got out of hand. You know, in the fourth quarter, Rick Venturi talked about, you know, winning that uh, roundabout there, going into halftime, coming out of halftime. You also won the turnover battle. Like, it was kind of inexcusable Boy. to really not put together a complete 60-minute game. Lara, if we said to you before kickoff, by right. the way, the Titans will have zero, uh, Colts will have zero turnovers, but we'll get three from the Titans. Right. I'm betting the mortgage in Vegas that this is going to be a victory. I 100% agree, and that's one of the first things that Frank Reich admitted. He said that's not often that you're going to look at that number, winning the turnover battle as dominantly as you did, but walk away, walk away with a loss. Yet they managed to do it, and one of the you know reasons for that is you know inability to capitalize in the red zone. Kind of the same issues you know that we have seen. Of course, Carson Wentz. Um, I mean, what a valiant effort from him playing on the two sprained ankles one the right more severely than the other and I asked Mark Glowinski after the game by the way glow is one of the best conversations in any scenario really that's is. one of the things I really appreciate Love is Glowinski. you got to have guys that you can go to win or lose mm-hmm. everybody's great to talk to in a win but some of the more insightful guys to talk to I was able to do that after the game in Nashville Mark Glowinski and Kenny Moore the second Mark Glowinski said 
I asked him, what did you say to your quarterback? What did we learn about, yet again, his toughness? And he said, I said to him on the sideline, you are one tough SOB. Yeah. And coming from an old lineman who are some of the toughest, right, like sure. that, there are, that are out there, I mean, it says a lot. You lose Quentin Nelson as early as you did in that game, and yet still Carson Wentz was able to put you in some good positions, certainly on a limited playbook, on limited ability. You saw how hampered he was. You saw how good he was on the move for those first two games, you know, for the majority of that second game. Um, and then to see him limited in that capacity was really difficult behind really, you know, a, a battered offensive line um, that you have. So there were uh, you're starting to see, I think, that this team has some resilience, but the struggles to put together a complete 60 minutes continue to be what they are. And what I asked Frank Reich about when I spoke with him on Monday, I said, what did you learn being up in a position where you have gotten off to slow starts in the past, of course, thinking back to 2018, going one and five. And, you know, he had a great explanation, you know, about that. That's going to be on Colts 360 this week. Went into a lot of it, it comes down to being able to know, like not not panic, but have a sense of urgency and strike that balance between the two and having perspective on the length of the season that it is, the opportunities that you have and that you cannot. It's such a narrow margin for error, of course, that when you put yourselves in situations when you have an advantage in games and the Colts haven't done that a lot. The Colts have not led Games have not done that. I mean, there are a slim margin of minutes that they have through those first um, three games of the season. So that's an opportunity where you need to get out to a stronger start. Um, you need to create yourself a lead so that you have more of an ability to, you know, open up your playbook, um, you know, have variety in terms of the run and the pass game. That's one of the things they're always striving for. So one of the things he reiterated, though, is that. You've got a lot of the core guys who were in this situation in 2018. And when we were on the sidelines, when I was down on the field, you saw Jack Doyle getting into the ear guys. You saw Quentin Nelson getting into the ear guys, hyping them up to some degree, but also being like, hey, we're going to get through this. We're there. We're going to be galvanized. We're going to be stronger through this. So there's a lot of faith in this locker room because you do have the type of leadership that you have. And you have guys that have played in a number of different scenarios. They've played when they've had, you know, less than ideal starts to the season. They've been in a situation like they were last year, um, losing the first game of the year and then getting into a little bit of a role and then letting things slip away, but finally getting into a groove really in that November stretch of games. So I, I think that you are seeing that there is very much so an urgency. This team is angry. This team is frustrated with letting opportunities slip away. And this is a perfect opportunity against the Miami Dolphins this weekend going up against former Colt. Jacoby Brissett. And this team, you say also, I need to, you know, there are no excuses, no explanations. It's still up there on the wall. It came from Tony Dungy. No excuses, no explanations. But, and that's a big but, T.Y. Hilton out. Carson Wentz, foot injury. Quentin Nelson, foot injury. This is going back weeks ago. Darius Leonard, not 100%. Those superstars, those playmakers, it is unlucky with injuries this year. Luck plays a big part of success in the NFL. And when your stars are hurt and hobbled, not 100%, tough to win games. We were not given a good dealt. 
dealt a good hand of cards this training camp up to this point as far as injuries go because they are not stopping. They are happening every week. We saw that, like you just mentioned, with Quentin Nelson going out early, Quiddy Pay going out early. We have to monitor where they are for this upcoming game against the Dolphins. So on top of everything, on top of not coming up with enough points to beat the opponent, you're trying to do that with a hobbled, and I mean sort of broken roster when it comes to these injuries. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it was, it was, I was busy. I mean, I'm always, you know, busy on Sunday running around on the sidelines, but it's an unfortunate busy when it was every time I turned around, there was a different injury update. Certainly, you know, the the whole entire warm up to the game um, when the team was out there, I was really closely watching Carson, knowing exactly from Frank some of the things that they were looking to see from him to know that he was going to be good to go uh, because they truly made it a game time decision. It was all the way up until the last minute to figure out how he would respond after Friday and Saturday and his ability to go on Sunday. So it was watching Carson pregame. And then, of course, first quarter, it's Quiddy. And then second quarter is Quentin. And then in the second half, Kari Willis was out with a with a hamstring, and then Rock, I believe, was an ankle. So those are the situations where I was all over the place communicating with PR, trying to get as many updates as I could. But, you know, I, I talked, that's one of the things that Kenny and I spoke about was, you know, although there are some things that are more blatant than others, everybody's typically in this sport at this level battling through something at some point for the majority of this season. Like, very rarely do you ever play a full season at 100%, mm-hmm. right? There, there's something one way or another that's nagging you. I mean, that angle on Darius is certainly, uh, I think, um, a more of a detriment than what he is leading on because he's just so dang tough and he's so competitive and so fiery that he's going to, you know, do anything he can to be out there. But this is a situation where you certainly hope that these guys are finding ways to, you know, manage what they're going through and that in any of these situations that they are not season-ending type of scenarios. And you do have the situation where, Coach said that Carson, or that sorry, that T. Y. Hilton is making good progress. They're going to continue evaluating him, but it's still a neck injury. That's nothing you can rush back from. So there is certainly going to be warranted caution in terms of getting him back on the field. For but sure. the statistics on the Colts' record, you know, without. T.Y. Hilton are glaring. And that, that three-week IR list that uh, that T.Y. and Sam Ellinger is on, can you update us with their, their availability this week? Uh, so they're both... Uh they're both eligible to come back to practice um, as of this week. Coach Reich uh, said that they were going to evaluate both of those things on Monday. So look for an update on Wednesday from Coach Reich. That's when you'll hear from Ooh, him before practice. I like this. Possible good news yeah. is what we're hearing Yeah, there. we okay. need some. We need some is right. Well, you know what? We could talk until we're blue in the face about disappointment. And this one got away and this injury is causing this, et cetera, et cetera. But the bottom line is the Colts are 0-3. And a gentleman that has been covering this team for quite a while also spent time in the Tampa area and the Miami area and has covered Jacoby Brissett that will be facing his former team, the Colts, this weekend. Stephen Holder from The Athletic, we say hello. How are you, Stephen? 
I'm doing great. Uh, we got a little bit of fall going on, mm-hmm. so I can I can work with that. Yeah, I'm good. You like this time of year, the football. Follow Stephen Holder on Twitter, at Holder Stephen. That's with a P-H in the Stephen. Again, at Holder Stephen. You can also read him on theathletic.com slash author slash Stephen Holder. Find out all the information you need on this man because he covers this team inside and out and gives us a good perspective of what is going on. We'll get to Jacoby Brissett and the Miami Dolphins, Stephen Holder, but let's go back. I was saying this to Lara just a few minutes ago. If we're back there at Grand Park sweating our tails off, getting ready for this season, we did not see 0-3 happening, and we did not see a rash of injuries that is wrecking this roster. No, you're right. And training camp is always hard to – it's always hard, I guess, to to figure out what you're seeing, right? And, you know, no matter how long I do this, and it's been a long time, you always think you have a handle on things, and then it, it sometimes – doesn't go anywhere near the way you expected it to. And that's because the NFL is, is, is such a league where things change quickly. There's no question about it. The injuries are always a factor. The, uh, you know, just the ability to, to gauge your team in preseason is hard too, right? You know, how hard do you push? How much do you pull back? Will that make them better prepared, worse, least, less prepared? All of those challenges and questions I, I think are, are part of, you know, what makes the job hard, right? It makes it hard running a football team. So, you know, I think we can nitpick here and there about all the different approaches, but at the end of the day, I, I think the biggest thing facing this team, it's not the only thing, but the biggest thing facing this team is you got your best players who can't play at 100%. You're just not going to be the team that you were projected to be. And Stephen, a tweet that you put out, and it's referring back to an article that you wrote in August, putting into perspective, you know, Gorman mentioned training camp, but you even took it back a little bit further to that modified spring, quote unquote, OTA period in which they broke right around Memorial Day, had all of June and then the majority of July off before reporting to Grand Park in late July. How much do you think, of course, is now being hindsight 2020, looking back, that limited time in the spring, given the fact that you have a new left tackle. Certainly Eric Fisher wasn't fully participating in practice, but a new left tackle. You, of course, have Carson Wentz as a new piece into this offense and a variety of other situations, a number of new coaches in the building as well. How much of what we're seeing now, certainly injuries are playing a part, but might be compounded by the fact that you did not have the typical kind of extended spring mini camp period that you typically plan for and you banked on just kind of making up for that time come training camp in August. Yeah, I think when when things happen like this and they don't go according to expectations, you have to look at everything. You have to reevaluate everything and consider all possibilities. And I think that's exactly what you're talking about. You have to go all the way back to even May in some cases. I mean there were other teams that, that didn't take a very serious approach to OTAs as well, and that's okay. And there were differing outcomes from those approaches, right? But there were also a lot of teams that really did have more, much more involved practices in OTAs. The Colts were not one of those. If you recall, they took the approach, I believe there were about eight practices or so, Monday through Thursday on consecutive weeks, if I recall. And what they did was there was no offense versus defense work. It was all at a very slow pace. I remember being out there in the defense in particular, really not playing what I would consider football. <laughs> There's no question. Even though you don't have 
real, a real physical approach in OTAs. You certainly don't tackle in those things, but they were really playing at almost a little bit north of a walkthrough mm-hmm. speed, you know, so it was interesting. And then as a, as that article that you just uh, mentioned, you know, highlighted in there also the fact that all of that missed time in training camp, I think this is the other thing. It's not just who's hurt now. It's also who was hurt and lacked the adequate preparation for the season. I think that matters a lot, much more than the OTAs even. And so when you have practically your entire offensive line missed most of or all of training camp, you had Carson Wentz missed all of training camp, right? So Mm -hmm. you have some other key players. Darius Leonard missed probably half of training camp. He came back to his credit, but clearly is not 100% and hasn't been probably since he arrived at training camp. So that's a lot of talent and a lot of investment that this team has made in those players who were not adequately prepared through no fault of their own, but were not adequately adequately prepared for the season. And now the season's here, and you got to go, and, and it's hard. And so trying to get ready on the fly is a tough thing to do. Stephen Holder from The Athletic joins us right now. Pretty simple question. I don't know if we can answer it through three games. What is this Colts offense to you? That's an interesting question. Uh, it, it is hard to answer it in a simple manner because I actually thought it, I know what it was supposed to be. Which was? Which was? Mind. Which was? Okay. All right. In my mind, I think it was the 2017 to be. Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> they would take that. Yes, they would absolutely take that. I, I thought it was supposed to be very similar to what we saw last year, and, but. But here's an important difference. So last year, what you had, I thought toward the end of the year, it was really starting to come into focus, what they wanted to be. Uh, certainly really physical up front, can run the ball, but a very efficient passing game. What they were going to do this year was add a quarterback who, in certain situations, can make some dynamic plays. And we have seen some of those. Go back to the Rams game, right? I think you've seen the element that Carson Wentz could add. The problem is, he was supposed to be an accessory. I think the first couple games, he probably had to take too much on his shoulders. That was not the role, in my, in my estimation, that was not the role they envisioned for Carson Wentz. He was supposed to kind of manage, fit in. Yeah, you know, well, manage, but also be capable of, of playing in a dynamic fashion when they needed him to, right? But hopefully the goal was that they wouldn't need that constantly. Now, because they haven't gotten the same level of performance from everybody else that they anticipated, he's had to do more. Carson Wentz, to his credit, I, I thought he was one of the best players on the field against the Rams last mm-hmm. week. You know, this week, obviously, against Tennessee, he was limited in what he could do. But, but the fact that he had to play that role because you know maybe the contributions elsewhere weren't what they hoped they would be, he had to go in there and, and play on two bad ankles. So I, I just think that's the problem right now. When you ask me what they are, I just think they're a team that is trying to get back to what they're an offense, excuse me, that's trying to get back to what it was supposed to be because it ain't that right now. So if they can do that, they can be more true to their character. But right now they're just searching for, for a way to get first downs, and it's a tough place to be. On the opposite side of the ball, one of the things that Jeffrey and I talked about to start the podcast was, you know, the Colts won the turnover battle against the Titans and presented this offense with with some great opportunities in a variety of scenarios. However, after the game, you know, we heard 
Darius Leonard with frustration, you know, beyond description. He dropped a couple of different expletives in his postgame press conference. I think understandably so. He was pretty, like, sick with himself, despite the injury and everything. He was putting a lot of the loss on his shoulders, which is, you know, what you expect of a guy who has, you know, in the position he is, all of the different accolades, and of course the contract extension, he is one of those who you rely upon to rise up in those type of divisional game scenarios. You're looking for your first win of the season, but Kenny Moore the second was incredibly honest. He said, yeah, you know, we got some takeaways, we did what we like to do, but we still have not put together four full quarters of football. And one of the things that I asked Frank Reich about when we spoke on Monday was, is this week coming up against Miami an ideal situation for your defense to finally put together four quarters of football, given that the Dolphins' offensive line has given up, has allowed the third most sacks so far this season through the first three weeks of the season, and you're facing a quarterback who you should have more film on than anybody. If your defense knows a quarterback's tendencies, it is Jacoby Brissett because he was your scout team quarterback. He was your starter in 2019. He was down there you know, celebrating in the end zone when the defense would have the takeaways. They kind of considered him an honorary member of the defense when you think about those situations on you know pick six and everything. Jacoby was one of the first guys off the bench to get down there and celebrate. And yes, this locker room has immense respect for Jacoby. Such great appreciation. He is certainly beloved across the organization. But is this finally the point where it's like a bit of a make or break for this defense to figure out what they're going to be about? I couldn't agree more. And the one thing I would like to see from this defense, if I was the coaching staff, if I was on the coaching staff, I would like to see them play with more intensity because that's their thing. I think when you play the Colts in the past, certainly in recent years, when you play the Colts defense, even if they had issues, if there were some screw-ups here and there, well, the one thing you could count on was three and four guys getting to the ball. Mm-hmm. And now I'm not seeing nearly enough of that. I give them credit for doing a good job or a decent job against Derrick Henry. The, re- the reason I say that, I know he had 100 yards, but what he did not have was that long breakout run that's like his signature play. It's kind of like Jonathan Taylor, right? He just batters you and batters you, and then he goes for 40 yards. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what Derrick Henry's known for. He didn't do that, so I give them credit. But I thought there were too many instances where guys were able to Tennessee players were able to elude a tackle after the catch and gain an extra five or six yards. In some cases, it was quarterback Ryan Tannehill. And the one thing this team has done well under Matt Eberflus, our defense coordinator, is really tackle well and get guys on the ground. Even if you give up the play, get the guy on the ground. And there's just too much of, of those instances where that's not happening with the same consistency. So that's a problem. Then the other thing is you talked about the – the turnovers they produce, which is absolutely wonderful. All right, so you've got, I'm looking at the drive chart. You've got these three turnovers. Here's the other problem, though. They only forced one punt. So when when they didn't get the turnover, Tennessee was scoring mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. just about every other possession. So, look, turnovers are hard, and you can't count on getting three turnovers a game. You've got to get those guys off the field, and you've got to force some punts. You know, they had a 14-play drive, an 11-play drive, and so too much uh, allowing the offense to move methodically down the field. Somebody has to make a play. And and the, the turnovers are plays like that, certainly. But, again, it has to be sometimes it's the more routine stuff. 
Sometimes it's making the tackle. Sometimes it's just being in the right place and being able to make a, a, a tough, a pass tougher than it was, right? So that they can get off the field on third down. So it's, it's a lot of the little things. And you mentioned the pass rush as well. That's the last piece of this. They have to get to the passer. I thought there were some instances in the last, really all games, in all three games really, where the quarterback just had the luxury of just sitting there and patting the ball and just having all day. That is a recipe for disaster. Well, we have to get off the snide at 0-3, and it starts hopefully this Sunday in Miami. So with that, uh, Tua Tagovailoa out with injury on the ribs, in steps a possible Disney screenplay uh, where Jacoby (laughs) Brissett comes in and tries to beat his old team. My question to you is, who has the advantage, Jacoby Brissett against the Colts' defense or the Colts' defense versus Jacoby Brissett because of their history? So I actually like this matchup for the Colts, and I'll tell you why. It's because and when I look at Jacoby's numbers from this past game and also just knowing his tendency, Jacoby's not going to test you deep, right? He's going to keep the ball short, get it out of his hand, and, and get it to the running back or, or the tight end or the short route, the receiver running the shorter route or the quicker route. So he, threw the, he had 25 completions this past Sunday. He was under five yards per Per attempt, that's very, very low. So how do the Colts play defense? They tend to stay back and keep everything in front of them, Mm -hmm. not let you throw the deep ball over their heads, right? So if they can get back to tackling and getting guys on the ground, they're going to, this is going to play into their hands. I really think this plays into the Colts hands, given the style of defense they play. So it's all set up for them. And also, Hey, you're having trouble rushing the passer? Congratulations. You're going up against an offensive line that's had more struggles than just about anybody in the NFL this year. So this is a perfect scenario for this defense to get going, and I think that is what is going to enable them to win this game. Now, the Dolphins have some playmakers on defense, and they're going to have to deal with that, the Colts, on offense. But, but I think the defense is their biggest advantage here, and I, I think they have to truly exploit that. One of the things that you know, though, about Jacoby Brissett is even if you can get to him, he is so tough to bring down. I mean, I remember doing some interviews and and some prep, and there was uh, one of the guys on the Houston Texans defense that described Jacoby Brissett as like a, a bucking bull that like he'll just throw people off of him as you're trying to bring him down. Uh, but, of course, the Indianapolis Colts defense knows that certainly better than anyone when you do think about your preparation for this game. One of the things, though, before we let you go, Stephen, and we could probably do a whole podcast on this topic itself, but being that it was a game time all the way up as late as it possibly could be from what we heard from Frank Reich in terms of deeming Carson Wentz um, healthy enough to start and play, you know, somewhat effectively. What is the game plan this week going into Miami? Because you're banking on hopefully Carson continues to make steps forward. But man, that last hit or one of the last hits that he took in that fourth quarter, you could see how aggravated it was when he got brought down, when he got sacked by uh, Tennessee, by the Tennessee defense. So he kind of, of course, I would expect that he, you know, irritated that to some degree. You're going to try to main, main, maintain uh, some of the progress on that ankle and, and continue to improve. But what's the plan right now? behind Carson Wentz because you've got to have somebody who is able to step in given the fact that he is not playing. We know he's not playing yet at 100%. It would be impossible to expect him to do that. Yeah, I think they have to have a, a more focused plan. I thought last week, 
I mean, they, I think they had a plan at the it's early in the week. They just didn't tell us, right? Frank was a little coy about it, right? As a, as you would understand, but certainly it was going to be Brett Hundley had Carson been unable to start. That was the plan. Now, what's interesting is I guess we'll see. It's Tuesday as we're recording this. I, I guess we'll see what happens with Sam Ellinger. He's a little bit of a variable here. I'm not saying he's going to step in and be a you know, uh, come in on a white horse and save anybody. But I do think they may get him involved here. They, he can start practicing. And if he's healthy, we'll see. But if he's healthy, he can start practicing. If he looks good, you can start to sort of factor him into the picture as the coaching staff and determine whether he is someone they want to maybe integrate as a backup. Because I'm here to tell you, I really think had he not gotten hurt, he might have been the number two quarterback here in recent weeks. It's very possible. It's, that is not something that we can dismiss as a true possibility. I know it's hypothetical, but that was certainly uh, something that was considered. So, wow. so we'll have to see. It'll first be determined on Ellinger's health, and then secondly, how he performs now that he's coming back from that knee injury. But he's going to be a factor. The other thing is, look, I, I think that the good news is Carson Wentz is, as Frank Reich explained a little further ahead than he was a week ago at this time. So that's positive, and that gives him the potential to have a little more practice time. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, the next couple of days is going to be really key uh, for Carson Wentz and that training staff working on that ankle, as I'm sure they're doing right now. Go ahead, Stephen Holder. Put us to bed or give us hope. 0-3. Very <laughs> rarely has an 0-3 team made the playoffs, but we're adding that 17th game this week. What's it going to take, and what's your crystal ball outlook? Do they have an opportunity still, after losing the first division game down in Tennessee, to make a playoff run? Well, I think it starts this week, certainly. And I actually like the Colts in this game. I'm going to take the Colts in this game. I think it starts here, and it really is going to depend on health. Can they get everybody back to 100%? But it's really hard to do. In the midst of a season, it's really hard to do. And, uh, you know, I worry about Quentin Nelson and that injury, and he's already playing hurt. You know, it, it's, gonna, it's getting harder is what I'm saying. So you've you got to get a win. They've gotta, they're going to have to put some wins together. That's the thing. Now it, this is going to be shades of 2018, you know, the 1-5 and five start. I know we hang on to that as, as hope. As a fan, you latch on to that. 1-5, and five, we made the playoffs, the won 10 games, 9 out of 10, except – Here's the point, or here's the part that no one talks about. That was so hard, okay? Mm-hmm. That was so, so hard. Uh, so it's, they caught lightning in a bottle. That's what it's going to take. That is what it's going to take. There is hope, but it's, it's a tough, tough thing to do in this league, especially when you're this hurt. And so it's going to take some fortune, some good fortune, and it's going to take just uh, an unbelievable run and stacking wins together, one on top of the other. That's what they got to do right now. All right, I get down to Miami on Saturday morning. Radio crews traveling down since you know the territory. Where should we head for dinner on Saturday night to get a good meal before we're working our uh, our tushes off on, on Sunday? <laughs> so are you guys staying in – I think you're probably staying in, in the Fort Lauderdale area, I bet. Well, I don't know so that. radio crew is traveling commercially, so we're actually staying relatively near the airport. So we're, we're not kind of – I don't think we're too far from a lot of decent options from my understanding of looking at the old Google Maps. So, If you're near the Miami airport, yes. I'll tell you where, I'll tell you where it's, it's kind of – so everybody thinks 
South Beach, right? Of course. And, and there's nothing not wrong everybody. with that, right? Not everybody. That's what but, I thought. But but there's actually so downtown in the Brickell district is in Miami is kind of like the hot spot nowadays. So I don't even know all the new spots because okay. it's changed so much. <laughs> but I just know I'm just telling you that the use that's kind of the business district, but now it's like condo central. So get all the rich folks down there. So, right. So the good spots are where they live. Right. <laughs> so, so go check out the Brickell district. It's, it's not far from the airport, probably a 10, $15 Uber ride. Okay. And boom. You're there. I love so it. Check it out. And if you, if you look in that, in that area and find, you know, what's the hot new restaurant, I guarantee you, you won't go wrong. Oh. I prefer the Latin, the Latin food. Yeah. Itself. You know, being of Caribbean descent, that's what my alley. So, uh, you know, but that's just me. Hey, that's just you and a lot of people. Give me some Cuban food while I'm down there and I'm happy. Stephen Holder, I'm follow him. It. That's it. At, at Holder Stephen on Twitter. You can also follow him and read his great work on The Athletic. Man, appreciate the time. We'll see you down in Miami and let's get off this snide. And, you know, you start writing some more positive articles because this team's winning. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. I, I tell you what, people think uh, the media wants the team to lose. No. It's a lot easier covering a winning team. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it makes that. your job easier. Don't forget that, fans. It makes their, these guys' job a lot easier when the team's winning. Steven, I appreciate the help. We'll see you down there, and we'll talk to you before the end of the season again. All right, see you guys. Thanks. All right, thank you, Steven Holder. Again, at Holder Steven on Twitter. Follow him and also on The Athletic. Now it's time to bring in some sort of a legend. Uh, you know, I, we haven't had this guy in a long time. He's a Muncie, Indiana he legend. Is. I know that. Definitely from Muncie. He is the Colts.com junior writer. He's been here a while. <laughs> his, name is, his name is Andy Walker. How are you, Andy? Been a minute. Oh, it has been a minute, and thanks for all that, Jeff. Uh, boy, what a treat to talk to you and, and Lara and, and be back on this podcast. Uh, again, Colts junior writer Andy Walker joining us right now. <laughs> Colts.com, he can find all his work. He moved up to Muncie, still covering the team from afar. But, Andy, boy, i got to say, when we were talking in preseason, we talked earlier with Stephen Holder and, and, and Lara and myself, we did not see 0-3 on the schedule with Jacoby Brissett awaiting the Colts to try and get their first win in Miami. Up to this point, uh, how confused or how surprised are you at the Colts' start? It's it's been different. I, I I don't know. You know, you bring in Carson Wentz, and you can clearly see these first three weeks. You know, other than I, I kind of canceled out last week just because the ankles and all that. But you can clearly see the talent. And you can see when it works. You know what it's supposed to look like. But you know when the, your usually dependable offensive lines had its struggles. And then the defense has been so, you know, the defense has been really good, I think, the last couple weeks, especially at getting the turnovers. But on those other drives, they've just been killers. You have to get more three and outs and not maybe depend on the big play so much. So there's there's many things to correct, clearly. You're 0-3. But, you know, I don't think there's, you know, it's a long season. There's there's no reason to to give up now. uh, and, And this team, you know it won't. Um, and I think, you know, and roll your eyes if you want, keep just going one day at a time, keep drilling at it. Um, you know, the, the injuries are going to, you know, hopefully some of these injured guys will start working their way back, get a little bit better, you know, every day. And, and I think this thing will turn around, but it's just kind of been weird so far. Some of the, some of the places you look at for strengths 
have kind of struggled at times, and and then the whole situation with Carson um, has has been a little bit weird, just with the injuries and all that. So you know, you look for him to bounce back. You look for these guys to bounce back, and hopefully, starting you know against this Dolphins team, you can start to see signs of that. Andrew, we were talking earlier, we referenced a couple of times the fact that you've been in a similar situation, gotten off to the slow start in previous seasons, looking back to 2018 and that rally that they made late in the season. You covered that team, and a lot of people are kind of clinging to that as a bit of a glimmer of hope in that, you know, Frank Reich has been able to rally his troops and you've seen a locker room be galvanized through the type of adversity that they've had earlier in the season. Is it realistic to think that there are things that you took from 2018 that you can apply now? Is that is there any sort of a silver lining that you do have a lot of guys in this locker room carried over from being in that position who can... Um, bring this group together and put them in a situation that you're playing your best football when you get into October and November and making that type of push through the end of the season? I think the one major kind of advantage you have when you talk about all the carryover from 2018 and the 1-5 start and coming back from that is you have a lot of guys now that were a lot younger than that are now veteran leaders, superstars, you know, Darius Leonard, Quentin Nelson, guys sure. like that, that can, that can tell the younger guys, hey, look, you know, we've gotten off to a bad start. That's clear. We, we, we haven't gotten off to the start we wanted to, but there is a precedent here. We don't want to have to do this, but we can. We've done it before, and we'll try to do it again. So I think that's, that's kind of the, the one kind of silver lining. I don't know how much you have to go to that well because that 2018 season – uh, you know, it, it's clearly different than this year. There's different circumstances and all that. And you had Andrew Luck working his way back. And mm-hmm. those games were so close. Those first, you know, six games were so close. Um, and you start off one and five, and you could kind of see um, the wheels turning a little bit. This time it's a little bit different. And I think um, while you can draw from it, I think you kind of separate yourself from it and just try to try to really drill at, What's been the issues so far this season? Let's get those fixed and let's move forward. Well, Andrew, you were one who had a very special pregame tradition with Jacoby Brissett. He would always fake a handoff oh, to you right. during that's during right. the warm-ups. Yeah. Um, for the Colts, uh, going up against Jacoby Brissett, they know him incredibly well. We talked with Stephen Holder about this as well. Based on what you've seen, Jacoby in a new location, playing for his hometown franchise in Miami with the Dolphins now, what are going to be the keys from what you know in covering Jacoby, what you know of this defense in containing Jacoby Brissett, getting a victory, and this defense putting together the type of effort that they talked about so much over the course of training camp being this incredibly physical, aggressive type of defense? Well, first off, what you might call a quote-unquote pregame tradition, no. I call Jeez. getting the team ready for the game. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, what were you? I mean, I mean you, it's, it was like you won a contest every week and went down there and you got thrown a football <laughs> from the Colts quarterback, Jacoby Brissett. How's that happening? Are you going to be in Miami catching his pregame pass this time? I mean, I mean, Jacoby personally had me come down. That ticked me off, too, Larry. It did every week. It ticked me off to see it. I swear <laughs> yeah, it did. No kidding. You literally you assaulted me no, on the field before I did not. the game in Houston because you had so much fire in your eyes because 
because the quarterback of the team wanted to involve me in Well, then bring warm-up. a kid from the stands down there, not a grown man catching an <laughs> outlet pass from the quarterback. I hated seeing you very, doing that. Very ably, by the way, Jeez. and very athletic looking. But, um, <laughs> you know, with Jacoby. How did, how did that even start? I know. By accident, I promise you. Know, you. When, when Andrew was starting, uh, you know, Andrew Luck, first name basis with the two Andrews. But when he, when Andrew was starting and Jacoby was the backup, you know, I'd be down on the field before the game doing whatever, you know, pregame hits and, and all that. Yeah, get looking for and, autographs from the Colts players. Well, no, yeah, he was but, carrying our pregame live stream is what he was doing for me in a lot of situations. I'm teasing, Andy. I know you're a hard worker. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but so Jacoby would be down there just warming up, and I happened to be in the corner, back corner of the happened, end zone. Happened to be, and he out of nowhere, I see him coming at me with the ball one time during center quarterback exchanges, and it just from there it just kind of evolved. And then there was one game a couple years ago where it, it was kind of a tense situation on the field before the game, and you know you, you want to kind of as a team employee you want to kind of you know remove yourself and just kind of. I'll just let the team, you know, figure things out for this pregame. I'm not going to do this little, this little, yeah, right. Bit, this game shenanigans. Good. And, yeah, it's not about and you. And I, I turn my head and I hear, "Hey, hey!" And I turn around and Jacoby's just signal at me as hard as he can to get over for this pregame tradition. So obviously, it was clearly important to him to be able to do that. Did we win the game. game when he first started this tradition? Because if he didn't, we could, we, we should have just stopped it after one. I mean, rumor is the Colts are unbeaten in games in which uh, <laughs> he catches you know, a, a dump pass. Yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, so that's how that happened with Jacoby as a quarterback. Uh, the the best comparison I can make is kind of prime Big Ben in terms of the way that he can. He's nim- he's he's a bigger guy. He's a bigger quarterback, but somehow he's nimble enough to get out of these precarious situations. Sure, sacks kind of scramble out and and just make something happen we saw it perfectly on sunday i mean you saw he forced overtime i mean that was unbelievable on the road at vegas that is is jacoby to a t that is his game and he can make all the throws and all that of course but that's that's his game and so if you're the colts you see ryan Tannehill, who's kind of similarly built and kind of you know athletic like jacoby you let him get out a couple times you know, last week. So you, you can't let that happen. Now, Jacoby's not going to be running for 20, 25 yards at a time, but, you know, he's a guy that can make things happen where when things break down. So if you're the defense, you just got, you got to stay disciplined. If you're in the back end, you got to drape those receivers even longer than maybe you think you do if things are breaking down. If you hear the, the crowd start to react, you got to stick to your guy. Because Jacoby's looking for him, he's going to be stumbling, bumbling around. He's going to be rolling out, and he's going to be looking for his guy. You got to, you got to stick to your guy maybe a little bit longer than than maybe you would normally. So, he's a guy that I build a lot, a lot of respect for. Not just because he included me in in his pregame warm up, but because just the way he approaches things. I think you know you hear Chris Ballard, Frank Reich, all those guys gush about his leadership and and what he brought in that in those terms. But he, I you know his toughness. 
and uh, you know all that stuff. It, it all comes into play, and it's something the culture uh, definitely. I mean, he showed it last week. You're going to have to contend with that this week. Andy Walker, uh, he is a Colts junior writer on Colts.com, giving us the latest and greatest on this team. Nick Sirianni, now the head man in Philadelphia, upstep Marcus Brady, but Frank has his hands on that playbook. Have you noticed a difference this year with coordinator change? You know, I I don't know. You know, with Frank calling plays. What the vibe I got from Nick Sirianni in game was he was more of the manager of hey Frank third downs coming up here's some possibilities or mm-hmm. hey Frank fourth fourth and two here's here's some things that might work here you know and and of course you know he's going to suggest plays and he's going to be involved you know talking Marcus Brady and and formerly Nick Sirianni they're going to be involved of course in building the game plan and building the script and and building the best plays and and all that but in game. Frank, to me, still seems totally in control of play-to-play, kind of figuring that out, um, whereas a Marcus Brady or formerly a Nick Sirianni is more of helping Frank manage the other stuff, thinking ahead, uh, personnel, uh, things like that. So I, I haven't noticed much of a change in that regard. Um, you know, one thing I did like from last week um, against the Titans that, that I hope to see more of personally just because I think it can be very effective I think you saw the two running backs on the field, uh, Taylor and Hines, a lot more at the same time. And I think that can be a really good thing. You know, don't overdo it, but I think that can be a really good formation to utilize in, in some, some specific situations where if you're a defense, what do you, I mean, what do you do there? Uh, you got two guys in that, in that instance averaging, you know, six yards a carry. You got Hines, who's a, a great pass catcher. So, I, I like the creativity. I, I hope to see it expand a little bit more, get those tight ends involved a little bit more. I like seeing Mo Alley Cox last week. Yeah, I like tight that end as well. Screen. Mo Mo. Yeah. Mo Mo all yep. day. Yep. So I, I think um I think things are very similar, uh, in my eyes to what I've seen, but 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 definitely Marcus Brady is is making his mark in terms of helping kind of manage the the you know the looking ahead to third down or looking down to fourth down or you know short situations trying to help manage that for Frank Reich. I got I, I we talked to Stephen Holder from the Athletic earlier and I ask you the same thing. Who like in your eyes through three games or maybe starting in training camp, what did you think this Colts offense is? When you say Colts offense is fill in the blank, what are they? Uh, run first team, uh, even balance, 50-50, ride the horse in Jonathan Taylor, the passing game goes through Pittman. Who knows? Like, What is this Colts offense to opposing defensive coordinators? Well, I would have thought at first it was – Run the damn ball, like from you know that that sure. phrase that came up, you know, very popular a couple years ago, um, and that hasn't really. I thought last week you saw signs of it, but with Carson Wentz again, last week just such an you know abnormal type situation when your quarterback's dealing with what he's dealing with, and you're still putting him out there, and and he's doing the best he can. You know, it's just kind of a different feel, but um, I still think the Colts. That's what they want their identity to be. And if you're an opposing defensive coordinator, I think that's what you get ready for. Now, I think we're still, you know, when you have a Michael Pittman and a Zach Paschal, and you hope to see, I think another point, Paris Campbell, get him going. Uh, maybe get him involved in maybe some more uh, backfield stuff, some motion stuff, some crossing routes, some things. Get him the ball a little bit more. I think once you start seeing that, those things start working together a little bit more. A couple more games under your belt. Hopefully Carson's health improves a little bit with the ankles. I think once you start seeing that and the offensive line settling down with Eric Fisher now back, 
Hopefully, Brain Smith, you don't know his status, but hopefully he can start to get back soon. I think things will start to settle down a little bit more, and you'll see things open up a little bit more. You just referenced the offensive line, and of course, you know, run the damn ball, which was really, I think, uh, gained popularity primarily because it was Quentin Nelson who really drove that you know campaign when he came in with the hats and then had him for I think anyone and everyone in the locker room that he was you know disseminating those two I didn't get one you did not you, well I purchased no. I purchased one I can send you the link I didn't get one but I did go out well, do they have them in 4XL <laughs> do you have a large noggin Andy I, I have an abnormally large noggin you know this brain has to go somewhere <laughs> and that's you know that's just the way I was made with this huge head. <laughs> Jeffrey, what size hat you wear? Oh, I'm a I'm a pea brain man. It's like seven and a quarter or seven and. Uh, you are from like yeah, you are yeah. from Michigan. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Andy Walker up in Muncie. I I mean, Lara, I love talking to him. We can <laughs> talk about. I know, question. I know, but I, I I just I don't know whether I want to push the button and hang up on him because I know he's going to f- strike at me before this interview's over. I'm sorry to interrupt, Lara. Oh my goodness, no, Jeffrey. That's what this podcast is all about. It takes um you know so many little twists and turns but Andrew you mentioned you know Eric Fisher is is back he is still getting it seems to be a lot of that conditioning getting back into quote-unquote you know game playing shape the health of the Achilles appears to be there that appears to be very strong but it's a whole lot different between practice and getting yourself back into a hundred percent playing to game speed now you have this compounding injury situation with Quentin Nelson you mentioned Braden Smith Ryan Kelly playing with through that elbow. He has, you know, the sleeve on that. It appears that Mark Glowinski is your only 100% 100 healthy offensive lineman. If he's even 100% healthy, we don't know what Glow could be battling that has yet to be unearthed. But where is your concern level with this offensive line being incredibly battered at this point and then trying to protect a quarterback on two sprained ankles? Well, I got to give him a lot of credit because that first week was a struggle. I mean, everyone saw it, and and Carson Wentz was running around everywhere, couldn't seem to get anything off the ground. The running game struggled, but I really thought, and and I'll give Eric Fisher. I mean, the fact that Eric Fisher is playing football, insane. Let alone, let alone practicing, or I mean, it's amazing that he's he's even playing. So. A lot of credit goes to him and the medical staff and everybody involved for for him even be able to play. But I think things have stabilized a little bit. Now, again, to your point, there are, you know, when Quentin Nelson leaves the game and when Ryan Kelly's dealing with what he's dealing with and when Brain Smith has missed a couple games, of course that's cause for concern. I mean, this is the number top, whatever you want to say, top two, three offensive line in the NFL when they're all there and accounted for. So if you don't have those elements, many of those elements, or some of them are questionable or might not play, of course that's a concern. But I do have to give, you know, I have to give these guys some credit, you know, Reed and Davenport and those guys to, that came in the last couple weeks. And I think, again, it hasn't been perfect, but I think it's stabilized enough to where you can start moving forward and hopefully, you know, Hopefully, whatever's nagging these guys will will start to to correct itself, and you can you can start to to go from there. So, it's not the concern it was after week one. To me personally, I feel like things have stabilized a little bit. Now it has to get much better, and it doesn't get any easier. You know, every weekend, week out, you've got all kinds of stars you're playing on, on up front. But you know, I, I feel like things have stabilized enough to where if Brain Smith has to miss another game. If Quentin Nelson, you know, we'll figure out what's going, you know, it'll take a lot for him not to play. We all know that. 
Um, but if yeah, those if guys you, basically you time, feel like Quentin Nelson would have to be missing a limb to not play. Right. Like with well, yeah, I mean yeah. So if if it's that bad and Quentin Nelson has to miss time or, or anything like that, I feel like the Colts have stabilized things enough to where whoever you put in will do a good enough job. You know, the, the Carson Wentz thing. Put any offensive line out there, it's going to look different. You know, with his ankles and all that. Put put whatever Hall of Fame offensive line you want out there. When Carson's dealing with what he's, what he's dealing with, it's going to look different. But hopefully Carson can start to stabilize and this offensive line can continue to kind of move that trajectory up a little bit and, and you can get some of those guys back. I like your positive vibe. Andy Walker right there. Follow him on Twitter at AWalkerColts and follow him on Colts.com. You can see the latest of what Andrew is writing. Ball State grad up there. He's proud of that. He's also a Reds fan and he loves the Beatles. Andy, we're going to let you go here, but I do have a little bit of a bone to pick with you and I'm going to do this on a, on a public level because it, uh, it drives me nuts and quite frankly, I don't like you very much when you do this. So let me set the scenario, L.O. Uh, home games, I'm up there on the big screen, you mm-hmm. know, giving announcements and three things to watch for. Uh-huh. I'm live. I got the producer in my ear. I got 64,000 people looking at me. Every stinking time, my phone blows up as soon as I start uh... the hit. Because it's old Andy boy upstairs in the press box speed dialing me over and over and over again. And of course, at that time, I don't think turn your phone off because you go to some notes that, you know, if you're in a, you know, you, I have notes ready. I thought you were a professional. I, I am were, a professional. I thought you were unflappable. I know. I'm not unflappable because but this thing's going bzz, bzz, bzz thought, in my I thing. I thought you learned from the <laughs> oh, best. I thought geez. you learned from, like, Peyton Larry, Manning going into Foxborough with, though, like, 70,000 I mean, rowdy Patriots fans so trying to yeah, rattle him on third down and stuff. I, I, I'm not the sheriff, but I will say this. I'm putting it on in a public forum right now. If he does it again, I'm going to have him bounced out of that state. Oh, wow. Wow. Larry, I, I got to tell you, there's no better feeling than doing <laughs> that to Jeffrey when he does his live hits on the video board. And Lara, and he doesn't he doesn't react big to it, but I know Lara sees a I little flinch. I did this to him one time, reaction. one time when he was doing a Facebook live. I did this to him, yeah. and I called him during a Facebook live, and I'm like, "Hey, why didn't you answer?" Ha ha. And after that, he does it every stinking week. Oh. I forget about it every stinking week, and all of a sudden, bzz, bzz, bzz. so like I say, credential could be taken away next home game there, a Walker. Hey, uh, Jeffrey, when's, I, I heard Dark Waters 2 is in the works. Can you please <laughs> so done tell us guy. any details on Dark Waters uh, 2? Is that a Netflix thing? or what? When, Colts official podcast presented by WinBet, proud sportsbook partner of your Indianapolis Colts. Betting is a team sport. Bet together at WinBet, and I'll bet you on this one, you're going to get bounced from Lucas Oil if you keep up your shenanigans. But, Andy, we like you. We appreciate the time. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at AWalkerColts, and you can find what he's writing about this football team on Colts.com. Appreciate the time, Andrew. All right, thanks, guys. That's it. Andrew Walker. Hello. We're going down to Miami. All right. We're going. We're going down to Miami. I've never been to Miami. Oh, actually. stop. So this it. is a new venue for me. Stop never covered it. a game there. Never been to Miami. You I've never been run to... there? No. Uh uh-uh. uh. No. Woo. So this is going to be a new new experience, new adventure. I'm excited. Okay. Looking forward to well, it. Well, South, yeah. South Beach, if you're 23, it's the place to no, be. No, I think I'm going to take Holder. You know I, mean? I want to take Holder's yeah. suggestion. I'm just saying South Beach is, you know, love-hate relationship. If well, you're like me, 53, this is also you're a, not going anywhere this near. Is, this is also a business trip. That's you true. know, like That's we, we, we lock true. in. But I do like to go and try. We, we're getting there early. We do have the majority of the day on Saturday to right. be able to enjoy. So I would like to go out, get a little bit of a run in, maybe lounge yes. at the pool, have yeah, a lovely sure. dinner because I, you know, I do love 
some fresh seafood. Absolutely. I like you can that. Get you know, it there. Holder dropped the Cuban food. That's something we don't get a ton of in Central Indiana. I think there's a Versailles so. down there. Check out the name Versailles for Cuban Cuban food because it's amazing. If memory serves, Versailles down in Miami. That's, I love it. I love it. it. Do you there. think? Do you think um, Matt Taylor and Coach Venturi no. are going to be up for that? No. Do you think I'm going to be rolling solo no, out there? No, no, I'm just no. Got to find some. They'll friends. be like, "Where's a steak and potato place, <laughs> or or a grilled cheese, or a slice of pizza?" I think that's what you get with those guys. But no, there is some splash down there in South Beach. Hey, have fun down there. Appreciate everything you do. Follow Lara Overton at Lara Overton on Twitter. And, of course, you can find her all over the Colts.com website and apps and every TV and radio. She's everywhere. Keep up the great work. You make my job a lot easier, lady. Hey, you make my job a lot more fun. <laughs> so right. we're a good combination. Don't forget a big thanks to our friends at uh, WinBet. They are a proud sportsbook partner of your Indianapolis Colts. General reminder, betting is a team sport. Bet together at WinBet. And I'm betting on Lara Overton week in and week out. This is the Colts official podcast. A big thanks to Stephen Holder and Andrew Walker for today's show. We got to get off the snide. It starts this week on the road for the second of a three-game road swing. The following week after that is Baltimore on Monday night. But, hello, let's get it going this week. Colts fans, We, uh, you want the latest and greatest information? Just log on to Colts.com. It's all right there waiting for you. We'll talk to you next week and hopefully with a couple of suntans.